0: Well, everyone, welcome back to the Tundric cast I believe this is the third episode, and um, today we're going to talk about, in our opinion, the most overrated and underrated players on each Metropolitan Division team. Once again, we got Coral, and for the first time on the podcast, we got Siakam. Hey, everybody. So, uh, um, you know, I'm Siakam exactly. is... <laughs> of course, <laughs> Siakam is... Siakam uh, has a lot of great opinions. He's knowledgeable about the sport, and... Uh, Seem to be a great addition to the podcast. So um yeah. I guess to start off uh, uh I I guess I'll start off with Carolina with underrated um you know Carolina's one of those teams that has a lot of really underrated players. You know a couple that comes to mind is like Table Terry Vinein and um Brett Pesci, Jacob Slavin. but the, but the guy I chose was Martin Nikas. Um just you know, Yeah, Nikas.
1: Um they M- you know,
0: <laughs> just um, there you go. You can say his name like twenty ways, but um, you know, as a rookie this year, did really well. Had thirty six points in sixty four games. Um, he was that perfect third line center. I well, I believe he played third line center, but at times he played in top six for Carolina. But um, you know, got thirty six points, uh, sixteen goals, and um, you know, he's gonna be a he's gonna be an elite player in this league at some point. Um, I think he's the perfect two C. For the young Sebastian Ajo, um, you know, you saw a glimpse of what he can do in the playoffs for uh, Martin. Um, four points in eight games, a strong two-way center who's right-handed, which is kind of key in today's NHL. And um, I really think that he should have gotten more uh, votes for the counter. Obviously not top three, but uh, you know, I think his season really went under the radar and uh, he deserves more respect. So that's my underrated player.
2: All right, well, I'll go number two. You know, I was debating between Natchez and uh this player, but like this is probably really biased, but I gotta go with Jake Gardner. Um Jake uh, like the Snake. Yeah, Jake the uh, man, uh he gets he gets he does get a lot of hate and some of it is founded because he's made had some pretty bad moments, but you know, overall, uh he has a lot of skill. He's a good sk he's a slick skater, he can he, uh, when he gets passes through, which is most of the time really, they are amazing like cross rink, uh jump with the forward passes. It's uh I you know he, he didn't have the greatest season last year, only 24 points, 68 games, but we, we saw him like be really good on the leafs when he was hitting fifty fifty points. Um um on this Carolina Hurricanes team where like the defense is so deep I feel like he gets drowned out a bit but you know I feel if he I feel like he definitely has the um skill the talent and and the conviction to be able to jump back and be that top two guy again that he was before
1: Yep. I, I can definitely, I can definitely see Jake Garner being underrated, um, especially on that blue line. For me, uh, I went with a with a guy who, um, who just two seasons ago had seventy five points, and that man is Vincent Trocheck. Um, he's a he's a really good two way forward. Four years ago, when he was in his like third or fourth season, he got Selkie votes, so he has that great two way game. He's he was on pace for over 50 points uh, last season. He was on pace for over 50 points this season. And um, the main issue with Trocek the, last year really was that he couldn't stay on the ice. And I feel like a lot of people forgot about that elite two-way game that he can bring while also giving you 54 to 55 points every season. Um, he's, uh, his possession numbers are great. His Corsi 4 is 53%. So he's just—he's just a really solid all-around player. He's just his game's just not as exciting, right? When you look at that uh, Carolina uh, top six, right? You don't think of Trochek, right? You think of all the young up-and-comers. You think of guys like Aho, Svechnikov, uh, Tarvainen, even. But Trochek is a really, really solid second-line center for that team. A second-line forward—he's um, always consistent. Always has great production. Always has great uh, possession numbers. And, um, you know, he's that perfect complement, right, where we look at a lot of teams uh, in the NHL that don't have a lot of playoff success, even though they have the talent, for example, the, the Leafs, right? And you think, what could a team like that use? Well, they could use a guy that, you know, that plays in their top six, that's defensively responsible, that has talent, that has skill, that has speed. And Trocek, I just feel like doesn't get talked enough about in that, in that Carolina top six. All right, not a bad pick, Siakam.
0: Um For me, overrated it was between two players. One of them was actually Trocek, but uh, I'm going to go with this player, and this is Ryan Dezingle. Um, you know, besides his past season, uh, he was com- coming off a year for Ottawa where he had 22 goals and 22 assists, obviously. Got traded to uh, Columbus at the deadline that year. And, um, you know, it, to me, like, It's not that the Zingle is bad, because he does have some skill. I just think that he's overpaid. You know, at three mil. Um, Obviously, um, as I like to say, and everyone else, that you don't pay players after huge career years. It's more of a risk. Um, You know, it hasn't really worked out. Ford is in goal in Carolina, only 29 points in 64 games, which isn't bad by any means. But, you know, for the role he was given and what he was expected to do, it, it, it is kind of underwhelming. And, um, you know, to another reason that's just because Carolina's offense and their D is just so stacked. Um, You know, they have a lot of NHL players on that team that can play. And, um, you know, at times, Zingo was, was on the fourth line this year just because he had no room or, or no place to play. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm putting over overrated solely just because of the role he was expected and what he was expected to bring. It's not a knock in the player because I'm, I'm actually a pre- pretty big Dzingo fan. I love his game. But uh, just at that price tag, uh, it, it's not worth it. So I got Ryan Dzingo as my overrated player.
2: You know what, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one, Shea. Um, you know, he is uh, he is like a decent player, but for how much he's just, uh, getting paid, it's really not worth it. And also, I'm just looking at his advanced stats right now. Um, he, as a center, he doesn't really take face that amazingly. Uh, like last year, I'm just like 31% at face Wow. Yeah, so um, it really re- isn't that great. Um course he four last year 50.7 which is right at where you should be but like for what he was expected to be second line maybe third line no i'll say second line center um he didn't really perform that well so i mean he's definitely still a solid player but for what he's getting paid for what he was expected to do it wasn't
1: it it really was underwhelming yeah uh okay so uh mine is uh, actually different i did consider the zingle like you guys it was between him and this other player and um this might raise some eyebrows but i picked brady shay the, the deadline Ooh. acquisition from the I- rangers now um a lot of people Shea is a guy who's really offensively Gates very well Um, and he had that really great rookie season with the Rangers where he put up uh, I think it was almost 40 points right but ever since that breakout season he's never had a season where he's had over 25 points and you can argue that corresponds with the Rangers struggles um, after his first season where they They made the playoffs his first season and never made the playoffs again until they traded him, right? Which is very fair. But um, even in his time in Carolina, if you look at his advanced statistics, every single uh, year in in, in his career besides his rookie season, when he's been on the ice, his team has allowed more goals, even strength, than they've scored, right? So if you look at even when he wasn't on a bad Rangers team, when he was on a good Carolina team, in the, the seven games that he played, even strength, he allowed 10 goals against while he was on the ice, and his team only scored six even strength when he was on the ice. Right? So that's not like a perfect representation, but if you look at his career averages for uh, Corsi, it's 47.4, right? And if you're an offensive defenseman who can't really play defense that well, if you're not putting up points and you're not controlling the puck and moving the puck and letting the offense set up in the offensive zone, well, then what is your value really? And are you really worth the $5 million that they're going to be paying you for the next three, four seasons, right? Um, especially with the rest of that blue line with guys like Jake Gardner, Jake Bean coming up, Hayden Flurry, Pesci, right? Like, you know, he's, he's getting top four ice time. I don't know if on that blue line that's necessarily justified. So that, that was my pick for over
2: you know what that is actually fair and you know what come back to the point of coursey and having an offensive defenseman barry is trolling me in the chat saying uh gardner shouldn't be underrated well guess what his Corsi is barry you want to tell me right now huh oh, oh wow he by the way he asked that what course he is so um no gardner's career Corsi 51.4 percent which is above average but last year 55.6 so I'm just gonna throw that out there for you Barry <laughs> um just,
0: oh. one on Shea, just one thing on just one thing on Shay um you know I agree with all your points and, I, and um you know just going back to the deadline where Carolina gave up a first for Shay I, I honestly thought that was a, a lot to give up for you know a guy that hasn't really done much since his rookie year, um, especially since Carolina's so deep on the back end. Yeah, and, of course, that same deadline, they got Sammy Votanen. So, um, you know, I really like the Brady Shea pick from uh, Siakam. So uh, I guess we can go to next team you now for Columbus. Um, underrated, this one was an easy choice for me. I went with uh, Olivier uh, Bjorkstrand. Um Ooh. Oliver. This is a guy that uh, really went. Uh, he really went under the radar in 49 games. He had 36 points, including 21 goals. And this is on the Columbus team that is strictly known for its defensive play. Tortorella is really known for hammering down players, sacrificing the body, playing a trap, which means low scoring games like one nothing, two to one, and you know, This kid just seems to be scoring every other game. And um, you know, for Columbus, that loss guys like Panarin and Duchesne, and like we mentioned, Zingle, um, it was really huge for them that one of the young players like Bjorkstrand decided to step up and give them some more offensive boost. And even the playoffs in ten games, he had three goals, which is basically what you what you want your players to do provide goals. Um, you know, I I I I see this kid breaking out next year. Um, I can see him if, you know, if the season was 82 games, I could see him getting 30 goals because, um, his shot is lethal. He always has a lot of scale and he seems like the perfect player for Tortorella's system. So Bjorkstrand is my pick for underrated.
2: No, I'm going to have to agree with you. He just had such a great season, 36 points, 49 games. Um, he controlled the play a lot, 54.5% Corsi. um, and just starting in the offensive zone, he had the puck like over 56% of the time. So you know what? That controlling the puck is so important. And on a mostly defensive Columbus Blue Jacket team, um, that offensive spark is, you know, a welcome for welcomed aspect for them. So I got to give it to Bjorkstrand.
1: strand is definitely a great player. Definitely very underrated. Um, is this gonna be a is this gonna be a trend where you guys pick up the same player and I'm the only guy who's who's not on the, <laughs> on the same page? Well, uh, if you <laughs> yeah, <maybe. laughs> all right. So this pick was was not so much um analytically based. Uh, this pick uh, for mine was actually more of just what I saw from this player, uh, especially during that playing round between the the jackets and my team, the Leafs. And um, this guy really excites me. He's Super young, only 21 years old, and that is Emil Bemstrom, the center uh, that they drafted with a fourth-round pick in 2017. Now, if you look at his underlying stats, uh, in 56 games, only 20 points. His Corsi 4 is only about 50 percent. Right, he's playing fourth-line minutes. Right. Um, the reason I think he's underrated is because I think he's, I think he plays much better than what his stats suggest. He's a speedy center. He hits physical, um, I saw him run up against Matthews, against the big Maple Leafs line, um, at specific shifts during the playing round, and he was all over the ice, um, he was a great tenacious forechecker, he's that perfect fourth line player for that Blue Jacket system, except he also has the speed and the skill and the youth to continue to get better and one day be on that t- in that top six, right? And the reason I think he's super underrated is when you think of the Jackets and you think of all the young fours you, they have, you think of Dubois, you think of Foodie. Bemstrom's one of those guys that you don't necessarily think about as much in terms of that bright future forward core for the Jackets. But I think outside of Dubois, I think he might be the, the, uh, the next most NHL ready, most talented player. Because I love Liam Foodie too. Uh, Foodie's speed is just exceptional. But Bemstrom is just that pro-typical two-way forward that has all the skill that you need and i think he is someone you need to watch out next year for columbus if he if he starts putting everything together and gets accustomed to playing at the nhl level i think he could cause a lot of problems and that pains me as a. all right not a bad
0: pick um so for overrated um you know it pains me to say this because i'm a huge fan of him I love him. He played great in in the playoffs, especially in one game against Tampa Bay. But this year he really took a step back. And um for me that's Seth Jones. Um but like, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Jones's game. Uh but you know, you just look at his uh stats like over this past season, um you no know, his fen you look at it, first of all you look at his Fenwick. Um it went down by a, by two a full two percent. Um, his Corsi a couple years ago was at 54. That dropped to 49. Um, you know, 30 points to 56 games for Jones. Honestly, not, it's not, it's pretty good for, you know, the d man standards. But, um, you know, he just really took a huge step back this year, especially, you know, when the, they really needed him the most with all those injuries. I think at one point they had like 12 injuries on the roster. It was, it, it was insane. Um, you know, I think he can get back to the level he was playing back in 2017, 2018, because um, he's still young enough. He's still 25. He still has a lot of uh, potential to grow. But, uh, you know, I think this season just taking a bit of a step back uh, put him on this list. But, um you no, know, it was hard. It was hard to put him here. So, yeah.
2: Well... I still think Seth Jones. Yeah, um, I still think he's amazing. But yeah, he did take a step back. But for me, the uh, the biggest, you know what, the the most like under overrated player, sorry, on that team is uh, Nick Felino. A lot of people are gonna get really mad at me for this one. But like, first of all, his face annoys me. Second of all, <laughs> I <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I, I just, I just, I literally can't stand his face. Just look at it for like five seconds, and you will literally puke. Uh, anyways, um, he he did underperform a lot last year. Thirty-one points in sixty-seven games. You know, as uh, I mean, is decent, but like really, he's sh- at five point five million dollars. He really should be getting a lot more than that. And his offensive zone starts below fifty percent, forty-eight point four. Um, his Corsi 4 is at fifty point five, which is just a bit above average, but like. You know, from a player that's getting paid $5.5 million, it really should be better than that. Um, you know, he had right. really good seasons in the past, but I it like his advanced stats, like his Corsi and stuff like that, have been a lot higher. But um, this year, he took a bit of a drop, and you know what, I, I mean like, I just, as good as a player he is, he did drop back, and he's really not playing, like, he's worth 5.5 million at this point, and you know what? Um, Blue Jackets fans love him. He used to, he captained a All-Star team at one point, didn't he? Was that two years ago, I think, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I remember sure. that.
2: Yeah. yeah, but, like, it, uh, it's, it's dropped off lately, and you know what? Uh, he's coming to the end of his career. He's 33 years old, so you know what? It makes sense that he's having the drop-off, but yeah, it's just that 5500000 million. I'm not sure that he's worth what he's playing in right now. All right.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Felino was number two. Um, I really thought that, you know, he's been underperforming uh, given, you know, the way that Blue Jackets fans talk about him. Um, but um, my pick is actually going to be very surprising. I don't know if you guys are going to expect it. Um, I went with the rookie phenom out of latvia elvis wow. Merz- Lincoln. wow no now, way now before you guys go all crazy on me i get it i know he he was like fifth in vesna or something like he had like five votes in the vesna or fifth in vesna voting he made the all-star game right he got calder votes i get all of that 923 save say percentage? percentage is great 235 goals against again great right he's a he's a rookie Right, he's only put. He only started thirty three games. He only started thirty one games. Right, he was thirteen and nine. But if you look at the underlying numbers, right, what we have to realize is Columbus's team is so defense oriented. Goalies yeah. are going to play great in Columbus. Right, I mean, uh, goalies are going to do great in, in Columbus. Um. The main issue is that um, if you look at the underlying numbers, for example, um, Merz Lincolns' number of quality starts in a season, right? He's had 17, which is about a little bit over half of his games. And on a team like Columbus that is so defense-oriented, you would expect his quality save percentage to be higher, right? 50%, 53% is league average, and his quality save percentage is about 55%. So, I mean, obviously, he's a great player, but he's not like some young rookie that's like 22, 23 years old that's, you know, that just came in and was amazing, right? He's 26. He's not as young as a lot of people think, think he is, right? And playing in a system in Columbus where, you know, they're built to play defense. They're built to keep the puck out of the net, right? And so with that, his stats are going to be inflated. Um, his goals against his save percentage, are going to be inflated because Columbus keeps people to the outside. They force people to shoot from the outside where a lot of the shots he's facing aren't high danger opportunities, right? And so when you really look at it, you look at the team that's around him, you look at the flying stats. I think he's a great player. I don't think he's an all-star caliber player. I don't think he's a vesna level goaltender yet. I think I need to see him play more consistently for a more longer period of time and maybe even like when if Columbia, like he needs to show us in big games that he can perform. Um, and I just haven't seen it from him yet. I think I need more sample size. I
0: guess it's a fair argument because, you know, you just saw Corporal Salo, you know, in the playoffs, like what made 80, 85 saves or something crazy like that. Yep. And, um, you know, you look at the previous years where Boroski played exceptional there. Um, you know, I think your point about how. Uh, Columbus is such a defensive-oriented team and, you know, just Torgo's system is um, perfect. And, uh, you know, uh, I can totally see your reasonings. Um, and, yeah, not a bad pick. So um, on to New Jersey. Um, for me, it's another easy one, and this is Jesper, uh, Jesper Brat. Um, you know, first of all, he was a six-round pick in 2016 and um, I'm pretty sure he made the NHL like the, the year after he was drafted. Um, you know, every year he just seems to get better. First season, uh, 2017-18, this was the uh, – I believe this was the Hall-Heart uh, season where he got 35 points in 74 games. Next year after that on a very bad Devils team, 33 points in 51 games. And this season where the Devils once again weren't the greatest had 32 points in 60 games. And the thing with Brad is that he's never played with, you know, guys like Jack Hughes or Palmieri or, uh, you know, Nico Heischer. Um, He was only stuck on the third line with Travis Zajac and Miles Wood. And the fact that he's putting up uh, offensive numbers with two very defensive minded players just speaks a lot about him. Um, He's quick. He has a strong two-way game. Obviously, people are going to look at plus minus, which isn't the best dad in the world. But, um, you know, uh, my reason for that is because he's on such a bad team. And, um, you know, I think Matt can uh, justify my reasons more here. Um, you know, I think he'd agree with me that, uh, you know, this kid has talent. And um, just like I said with uh, Bjorkstrand, I can see Brat breaking out. I can see him having 40, 50-point years once, you know, he sure steps up. But once Hughes uh, matures... And um, you know, the with Blackwood and Net, you know, that's gonna help uh, Brat's defensive numbers a lot better. So, um, you know, the Devils fans have you know have been hyping this kid up a bit, and I uh, think it's I think it's almost time for him to break out. So, uh, I have Brat for the Devils. All
2: right, you know what? That's a solid pick. You know what? Uh, I was considering Brat, but for me, I. I feel like Damon Severson gets look oh, overlooked a lot, you know. Um, right. He, uh, he's put up thirty-one sixty-nine games on the, on man, what team were we looking at again? Holy crap! he had, Yeah, he put up thirty-nine, thirty-one points sixty-nine games on the Devils. It really isn't a good team, you know. His his possession stats were not good at all. But like, if you look through the whole team, none of their possession stats were good at all. So. It, you know what we will give him the benefit of the doubt there and you know what he's almost hit 40 points the year before this year he if it was an 82 game season he would have hit he probably would have hit 40 points you know what let me do some yeah, yeah, yeah he probably uh, would have hit 40 he was points.
1: my pick too he was my pick too he would have yeah. hit the 40 point plateau
2: this season yeah exactly you know what so and so i i feel as if he doesn't get enough uh doesn't get enough love he deserves it because he's played out of his mind on a team that really isn't that great at all
1: yeah so uh no surprise uh i picked damon severson as well he's he's the guy who logs top four minutes on one of the worst offensive teams in the and people look at his possession numbers like coral mentioned and as sure his for c4 is 47 percent but what you also have to keep in mind is his offensive zone start percentage is only 45%, which means he starts 55% of his, his, his shifts in his own end on a really bad Devils team that can't keep the puck out of the net, right? So when you, when you take those possession numbers and put them into context, it's like, yeah, his, his team doesn't have the puck a lot in the offensive zone when he's on the ice, but that's because he spends more time on the ice starting his shifts in his own end where his entire team can't play defense. And considering, like, if you look at 2017-2018, minus eight, playing, logging, top four minutes, right? The past few seasons, his plus-minus hasn't been good, but that's just more of the team around him than his own individual, in my opinion. And, you know, as a guy who's put in positions to be one of those shutdown defenders on a bad defensive team, him being able to put up 30-plus, 40-point seasons as like one as a member of one of their shutdown lines, as a guy who plays occasionally on the penalty field for them, I just think he doesn't get appreciated enough. Yeah, Damon Severson too. a hundred percent agree. All right. All right. So um on
0: to overrated. Um I'm gonna assume uh, you guys choose the same guy here and uh, my overrated is uh, uh Mr PK Suban. Um <laughs> I mean, just – I think even an amateur can look at his numbers and think, what a trash year he had. Um, he – like, I don't know what happened when he came from Nashville to New Jersey. Maybe Lindsey Vaughn did something. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it was not a good year for PK at all. Only 18 points on a 60 oh, – well, in 68 games. Um, no, minus 21 is just mm, not great. And – um the thing that I don't get is that I feel like some of his cost was just usage because um obviously PK is an offensive defenseman, but I don't know why half the time just looking at a hockey reference here, he was starting in the defense zone. Like, you know, if you know, if you're putting out your best defenseman if you want to put out your best defenseman in the defensive zone, uh go out with Damon Severson, like you guys have said. Um you know, his course C four was not good at all. Only had a forty-seven percent. Uh his Fenwick, I believe, was at a forty-eight. Um and once again the guy makes nine million. And uh let me tell you right now, these are not nine million caliber numbers at all. Um, you know, here's hoping he can rebound because once again I love Suban. I think he's a class act. He does so much for, you know, whatever city he plays in, whether it's Montreal donating $10 million to a children's hospital or uh, or Nashville. Um, you know, I hope he regains his form because, once again, I'm a huge fan of his. But uh, just for what he's been paid and the season he had, uh, it's not worth it. So PK is my pick.
2: Yeah, you know, it sucks. This guy was an elite defenseman at one point. He was worth that nine million dollar tag, but now uh, he's dropped off, and it's sad to see because he's honestly one of the best personalities in the league. He's such a good guy, and uh, here's like I said, he's just hoping he bounces back because he deserves to play well and like have that happiness because he's given so many others so many so much happiness. So, um. Right. Yeah, I, I really hope he I really hope he does have that bounce back.
1: I uh, man, this is really going to become a, a theme, huh? I, I um I was going to pick PK man. but the more I looked at it, the more I realized that I felt like it was one of those situations where he had such a bad year that everybody knew he had a terrible year. And so to me, like, that kind of made it, like, is he really underrated now? Because everyone knows he had such a terrible year and everyone knows he's, he's so bad. Um, so I, that's the only reason why I didn't pick. I picked uh, another veteran that's on that relatively young Devils team. I picked Kyle Palmieri. Um, and Palmieri is a good player. Um, my My assessment of Palmieri has always been Especially for the past like two, three seasons, he's a he's a, he's a good middle six guy, right? He's a guy you can put on the second line, he'll perform. You can put him on the third line, he'll perform. But for the Devils, he's become kind of that first line winger, right? That that go-to guy on offense, right? And he's just not that. And you look at you look at his his Corsi, right? Which obviously is not as important for uh, forwards as it necessarily. Um, especially since Paul Mary is a winger, but his Corsi is at 47% this season, right? which again, I mean, the Devils are bad, but the only issue is compared to Severson, Severson starts 55% of his shifts in his own end. Paul Mary starts almost 55% of his shifts in the offensive zone, right? So you have most of your shifts in the offensive zone, but you're not controlling the puck, even though you start with that advantage minus four, and um, if you look at his, uh, his shooting percentage this season, Palmieri, if on base value, 45 points in 65 games, it looks like he's having a career year. His shooting percentage this season is also 16%, right? That's, unheard. That's insanely high, especially since his career average is 10%, right? So, like, obviously, if you look at his season, his past season, you go, hey, he's had a pretty good year, especially on a bad Devils team. But you look at the underlying stats, it's, I mean, he's being lucky, right? Like, he's shooting so much above his career average for shooting percentage, 6%. 6%. He's shooting sixteen. He, his shooting percentage is 16%. Right? So, I mean, if there's regression to the mean and you look at a 10% shooting, the amount of goals that he's going to have, it's going to be a lot lower, right? His production is not going to look nearly as great. Especially as a guy who a lot of Devils fans sees as their first-line left winger. Uh, a really good first line left winger. Uh I just I just think I just think he's overrated. I don't think he's he's that guy. You know what that is okay.
2: fair. That is fair to be honest because um uh, he well he he is supposed to be their top line guy and he hasn't really performed. Forty five points is still decent but l- like Tiakam said he's not really performing after the situations he's been put in. But anyways what are we moving on to now?
0: Uh, we got the Islanders. Um, oh, shoot. <laughs> all right. So, Barry's team. Here we go. Um, for me, once again, this was another obvious choice for me. And once again, I don't think he gets talked to as much as uh, the other defensemen on his team. And this is Adam Pellick. Um, just, just a really good defensive defenseman. And I do believe if he wasn't on that New York Islanders team, Downers wouldn't make it that far in the playoffs. Pellick is extremely underrated. Um, you know, he's not a big point guy, which you know doesn't matter. But um, you know, he seems to fit Barry Trotz's system well. Um, you know, this past just this past season in the defensive zone, he started sixty two percent. Um I mean that, that that is relatively high, and um I mean that just goes to show you how much trust they have in Adam Pellick. And, um, you know, in the playoffs, he, 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 you know, he did relatively well, five points. Um, he shut down, um, back in, well, back in the Philly series. Um, he shut down the big guys like Giroux, JVR and connecting. They were silent just because Pellick and Pulak were such a great duo. And, and I, I think Pellick deserves more respect for what he's done in the league since he's came in. And, um, I do believe he's also grown just because of Barry Trotz, the best coach in the league, in my opinion. So, um, you know, you're with a great coach, um, and a solid defensive structure. It's going to make Pellick grow even more. And um, and, and in five years, I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the best defensive defensemen in the game. So, uh, my choice will be Adam Pellick.
2: Yeah, so I'm gonna have to agree with you on uh, Adam Pellick because he, you know what, his he's got pretty garbage offensive numbers. You know, <laughs> garbage coursey, garbage offensive zone starts. But you know what, that's not what he's there for. He's there to play defense. He's and you know what, the oil the Islanders, sorry, are the prob are really boring team. No matter how you slice it, defense isn't fun to watch, and that's what the Islanders are. Uh, but Pelik fits that scheme and can shut down the top line. Everyone looks at Pulak as their number one guy. And you know what he probably is. He he's that big offensive defenseman. But you need someone to shut it down, and that's what Pelik's there for.
1: I mean, I think for the first time today, right, guys? I think we have all three consensus here. Uh, wow. I I Pelik was the guy. I mean, there's just something about these defensive defensemen who just eat. Play solidly and let everyone else take the shine, right? We look at Puloc, we look at Beauvillier, Barzal, and he's that he's that one guy, you know, he just does his job. And he's, he might be boring in that way, but he's underappreciated, and that's what makes him underrated. He does everything but score. And I mean, you can't argue with that. He's a great defender.
0: All right, so over a player. Um, for the Islanders. I'm pretty familiar with this guy. Um, you know, uh, this is a guy that I know well. I know right now a lot of Islander fans are turning their backs against. And um, this is Jordan Everly. Um, obviously, we know the history of him. Game tying goal against Russia in what, 2008, 2009? Unbelievable. Uh, Kip was a stud goal scorer. But um, for me, it's his lack of consistency and just his terrible defensive play. Um, I mean, this is a guy that I don't want to trust into the defensive end, and um, I know this pretty well. And um, even, you know, you can tell in the playoffs, like, you know, he doesn't really back check. Um, you know, he kind of just skates in circles around his own zone whenever the puck is there. Um, you know, even in his offensive uh, game, you know, he needs more consistency. Um, you know, sixteen goals in fifty-eight games, still pretty good in the season, but I'm pretty sure in the playoffs he went like eight games without a goal. Um he's getting up there in age. Like I think he's turning thirty-one in a couple of months. So um he's right at that point of his career where he's starting to slow down a bit. And um, you know, once again, just his um course he fanwork numbers aren't the greatest. Um, he's not really a Barry Trotz player per se. Um, and uh, if I was the Islanders, um, I try to get someone more suitable for that role to play with Barzell. Um, and someone that can fit because, um, you can just tell that Everly, you know, compl- I I don't want to say he hates the system, but it it doesn't really suit his type of game where he's more of an offensive fast winger that's you know can, that can put in 20 goals and um you know i think five and a half is a bit too much for jordan eberle especially on the capstrat team like new york that still needs to sign a couple of rfa so um i'm gonna go with ebbs for my overrated player
2: i'm gonna agree with you on that one it's it's gotta be eberle it just doesn't fit 40 points 58 games still solid but you know what uh it's 5.5 million for someone who really just does not work at all on that team. Um, They could get someone a lot better to be playing with Barzal because, let's face it, Barzal could end up being a – you know what, he will end up being a top player in this league. And if he's got no one to play with, then I'm going to end up having another Jack Eichel type of situation here. So, yeah, you, you need uh, someone better than Eberle, and it's, it's pretty obvious, I think.
1: Right. Just when I thought that we were going, now uh, we finally got the curse broken. Here we go again. Uh, <laughs> I I uh, I went with um, another guy who's about the same age as Eberle. Um, I went with Josh Bailey. Uh, Josh Bailey is a great player. He's a top six guy on the Islanders. He's a guy who puts up 50 plus points consistently for the last four seasons. Right? I mean. He got paid because in the season before, he signed his big deal. He had 75 points, right? That was a big thing. Um, the only issue is you look at his advanced stats. Again, I'm not going to hold, like, the years where the Islanders, like, weren't so great because, like, again, like, that's not fair to him. But last season, Islanders were a great defensive team, right?
2: Grice was having
1: a resurgent year in that Barlamov, I think, right? That entire system is built off of playing defense, right? And you would think with a team that plays so well defensively, that's so focused on keeping the puck out of their net, you know, a guy like Josh Bailey, who starts in the offensive zone 51-52% of the time, would have great Corsi numbers, but he doesn't. His is only 46%, and on a isles team that won a lot of games last season played well last season he was a minus 12 now again i know the minus 12 isn't but plus minus isn't the greatest a good top six option but i don't think he's that two-way you know presence that a lot of people think he is you know i don't think he's you know he's he hovers around 30 to 40 hits in a season gives the puck away, you know, about two times the amount he takes away. You know, he's a good player. He's a top 6 forward. But is he worth 5 million per year for another, I think it was 4 years, and he's already 30, he's going to turn 31 soon? Like is that the player? And not to mention this season, he was on pace for barely 50 points, and that was with him shooting 50 15% shooting percentage. And his career average is closer to 11, right? So, like, I think he's a great player. I just, I just don't know if what Islanders fans and what – like, when I think of Josh Bailey, I think of a two-way forward who's got a little bit of grit. With right. I don't think he's actually that player. I think he's a good top six forward. But I don't think he brings that two-way game, that two-way dimension that everyone else
0: yeah, good points. Um you know, I agree that he's not the two way player everyone makes him out to be. I, I in fact think Anders Lee is a better two way player oh, yeah. than um Josh Bailey. Um yeah. So for um now I guess we're on to the Rangers. Um for underrated I'm going with another defense defenseman and uh uh with the Rangers they had a lot of young defensemen come up this year with Adam Fox Tony D'Angelo, um, and Lindgren mostly well, – okay, so my, my choice is Ryan Lindgren, by the way. Um, he mostly played with Mark Stahl in a shutdown role. But, uh, you know, as a young rookie, um, 14 points at 60 games, but also a plus 16. And um, I do, in fact, think some of this has to inf- do uh, w- with the influence of Mark Stahl, who's a steady veteran defense defenseman. Um, but, you know, just looking at his, uh, numbers, um, for a rookie, of course, he's both at, both Corsi and Fenwick's at 47, but, but once again, you know, he's a rookie. It's expected that, you know, he's six, he's going to start off slow, but, um, you know, on a very, like, you know, the Rangers were a really, really, really good offensive team. Obviously, they added Panarin over the offseason, um, you know, Fox and, um, D'Angelo are both great offensive defensemen. Uh, Ryan Strome took a huge insurgence, but, um, defensively, they weren't great at all. And, um, that's something they really need to improve next year. But, um, you know, Lingren was, was a rock solid, steady presence. He shut down teams' top offensive guys a lot of the times. Um, you know, he starts 51% in the defensive zone and, um, you know he—they have a really young, uh, great defenseman here. If they can pair him up with um, Adam Fox or D'Angelo and they save um, save someone like DeAndre Miller, uh, for the other one, I think the Rangers have a solid defensive group, and uh, Lingering should get more respect than he deserves.
2: Um, I'm gonna uh, you you talked about Mark Stone. You know what? He's my pick. First of all, uh, uh I feel like he was a uh. He was really important to that Rangers team, like you said. They weren't the greatest uh, defensively. I know he's not on I them anymore, but like you know, what is he? No, right? Oh, uh, he's on Detroit. Yeah, he's on Detroit him to now.
1: It. They traded Detroit.
2: Yeah. Like while he was there, he was a hallmark for them. He, um, uh, like you said, he played the shutdown role with Lindgren. He he helped Lindgren a lot, and. I, I feel like he he played a big role for them. But as for, like, a team, as for who's on the team now, yeah, I've got to go with Lingrid. That pair for them was huge. You know, they didn't have you – know, they don't have the greatest stats, but, you know, defensively, they shut it down for what they could. They weren't given a lot of tools and stuff, but, you know what, they, they, they worked with it. So that
1: pair was honestly
2: right. amazing for them.
1: Stop doing this. You, you two really need to stop doing that. <laughs> really? Again? Again? Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I didn't pick Lindgren. I mean, at this point, uh, if if Coral and Shay agree, you know the third opinion for mine is going to be different, okay? This is just going to be a theme at this point. Um, I went with a, a much more household name, um, which kind of contradicts the idea of underrated. Uh, I went with uh, Mika Zibanejad, Um, surprisingly enough which I know he got a lot of love this year for the like, Elke. um, And so that should technically make him not underrated, right? Um,
2: I just think Zibanejad is
1: one of the top centers in this league. That good. And I think that a lot of people don't think of him that way because of the fact that he plays on the Rangers. Haven't been very good for three to four seasons now. um. I mean, a lot of people are like the guy had 75 points in 57 games. I mean, and his course is above league average, and he starts more of his, his time in the defensive zone, offensive zone. A like guy who's playing with Panarin. Like, he's, a, he's the prototypical two way center. He plays the game so well. And this la- the last two seasons, his production has really started to uptick. Um, He's just I just feel like he's such a good player. I think that he's a top 15 center in the league. Um, and I just don't think that people perceive him that way. I think they consider him the tier right under, right? You think of all the lead, all the top centers in the league. And then you have those guys that are, you know, borderline all-stars who are good players, and they put Zabanjad in there. I think, you know, call me recency bias, I think Zabanjad is that. I think he deserves more love. I think he's one of the most underrated players on that Rangers team.
2: You know what? I, I, to an extent, I agree with you. I, I still don't think he's, like you say, like an elite elite center in the league, like top 15, was it you said?
1: Yeah, I think he's top 15.
2: Well, well but, I'm not sure I completely agree with that because, you know what? He, he's playing with Panarin, which you said, and Panarin, for me, he was the MVP and I talked about him being in, what did I say? I don't know. I, I feel like I said I had him in my top five when I were, yeah. When we were ranking. Yeah. 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 When we were yeah. ranking my top 10 players, and he, Um. I, I feel like he brings up Zabenichet a bit. You know, I, I'm not going to give it all. That, I'm not going to chalk it all up to that. Zibanecet still played great, but, you know, I'm, I, I feel like before when he didn't have that, like, bona fide star, he wasn't performing this well, and suddenly, Panarin shows up, and he is. So I'm going to have
1: to chuck I mean, up I mean, I can see that. To be fair, though, uh, Panarin did play a lot of his minutes with Strom as his last season. Right? Yeah. So not not all of all of Zibanejad's production was. Because he didn't play as much with Panarin as people thought. Um, he started off the season with Panarin, but he tried to balance out the lines as the season went on. He yeah. Strom with Panarin. But, yeah, I don't know. Like uh, P- Zibanejad is one of those guys where it's like, no, like I feel like he's fringe. Like you're either high on him or you uh, just good player, not great player. Oh. I just happen to be one of the guys who thinks he's great.
2: Right?
1: Sorry. Yeah. Would you
2: mind saying that again? Sorry.
1: Didn't hear Yeah, you. you're cutting out a bit. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Um, I just think the thing with the is you either think he's really, really amazing, or you think he's just, you know, a fringe all star guy, right? And yeah. so it really comes down to, you know, what your personal Kind of analysis of him is I just love Zabinajad as a player. I'm a Fair. sucker for those two way guys.
0: Fair, so for overrated, um, it was between two centers, and that's Ryan Strome or because Zabinajad. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna try to give. I'm gonna just. I'm uh, well. First of all, I'm gonna just say my overrated player. And that's Ryan Strome. Uh, but just one take on Zabinajad. Um, the reason why you know I kind of had him this at overrated is because a couple years ago he wasn't the best defensively um minus 23 minus 12 once again plus minus not the best stat but that just goes to show you how much um you know defense two ways on his game and um this year i mean 41 goals is great 57 games but his shooting percentage was at 20 percent, and that is really really unsustainable um i mean he was on pace for 60 goals like um I like the last time he had the sixty goals was in twenty twelve, and I and I'm sorry, I don't think Zibanejad would have hit sixty goals if he had a full year. But um, no, that's fair my, enough. That's
1: definitely fair.
0: Yeah. Um, but to my player once again, Ryan Strom, like uh, like what Siakam and Coral said, played with um uh, Artemi Timmy for most of the year, if not all of the year. Um, and he just broke out fifty nine points in seventy games. Um. I mean, it pains me because I'm an older fan, and we traded him for Ryan Spooner, um, which sucks. But um, you know, it's not like Strom is bad. I still think he's a solid center slash right winger. Um, I just think his stats were really boosted because they had he was playing with a Hart Trophy nominee, and um, you know his court, his uh, let me pull this up here. His course, he wasn't the greatest. Um, only at forty eight percent. His Fenwick was above average at 50, and um, if you take away Panarin, he's probably a 30, a, probably a 35, 40 point guy. But just because he played with, you know, an insanely talented uh, winger, uh, he almost hit a 60 point plateau. I don't expect him to do the same for years to come, especially since the Rangers have younger guys coming up like Brett Howden and uh, Vitaly Krasov. So, and once again, Jad who should be at that first-line spot. So, uh, my pick will be Ryan Strom.
2: You know, I, I was debating between Ryan Strom and uh, this player right here, but, um, uh, you know, I decided that I'm going to go with uh, this player because, you know what, first of all, I hate him. He, <laughs> I, like, this <laughs> is a lot of bias. I, I kind of did the same thing before, but I just hate this guy. Uh, Chris Kreider. Oh yeah! I, oh yeah! I, I, I don't know why. Actually, no, I do know why. But still, I hate this guy a lot. First of all, his contract is horrible. Six years at six point five million for this guy. I I really don't think that's worth it. I, I don't know if you guys agree or not, but um, six years and he's already thirty years old. Um, and he he performs decently, but I mean, I feel like his stats are also kind of inflated from being able to play with. Someone as good as Panarin, even though it's not on, like on a consistent basis forty eight point two percent corsi four if you're put like honestly that team is usually that that New York team has a pretty solid offense and for the most part these guys are above fifty percent and this guy's below um uh he's uh he's his shot percentage this year was fifteen point four percent I don't think he can keep that up and that's the only reason he hit those twenty four goals i he got really lucky, and I don't think that he's going to be able to stay sustain that. And I don't think that he's worth six point five million for another six years. I really feel like he's going to drop off at some point, and I'm going to chalk up a lot of success to first of all luck and second of all Panarin.
0: Yeah, just one thing on Kreider. I completely agree that his contract is so bad. You don't want to give a power forward seven years at six to six and a half mil. And I'm pretty sure is like, 28 or 29 years old. 29. Um, you know, we've seen similar players get 6 mil at 7 years, most notably Milan Lucic. So um, not saying he'll fall down as Lucic because Kreider still ha- has his speed. He still has more offensive game. But um, that contract is going to hurt the Rangers in a butt in three years when Gassar Shusterick up Fox. Um. You know, they already have Jacob Truba for 8-0, which is severely overrated. Like, I was considering him also for my overrated players. So, uh, yeah, just a terrible contract. I can see why you put him there.
1: Yeah, uh, I, went, I went with Kreider as well. It's just, you know, Kreider is like kind of that. I feel like a lot of people look at Kreider through that Brendan Gallagher, Nazem Kadri kind He's of not, lens. by the way. <laughs> which not, he's not he's not he don't i i will never compare Kreider to kadri ever again that's that's not even just me being a least not that player he's not as gifted offensively as either of them to be honest um Crider is he's just like one of those guys where fans love him because he's physical. he hits he hits a lot yeah. and he can score some goals as well he's 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 a he's a tough guy who's not useless on offense he's above he's average proto- on offense he's your prototypical fan favorite basically Exactly right. He's a he's a guy who will hit the other team. Well, he's not afraid to get scrappy and who can put the puck in the net uh, more often than a lot more, uh, way more often than some of the other grinders, right? Or power forwards. The issue with him is again the age, the contract, and uh, Coral's already mentioned his his Corsi, his Fenwick is lower than Strom's, right? Um, I just feel like the talent's not quite there, right? We like to think of Kreider as his talented power forward right is he really like how like like the guy the guy the guy had 45 points in in a top six for a new york that was deadly this season right? you can say well he didn't play that much with panarin he played with zabanejad zabanejad had 40 goals yep right like 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 either, whichever line you put him on there's a guy who was playing amazing that season offensively right and, right. I mean, if you're playing shift in, shift that with him, right? Like, some of that has to rub off somewhere, right? Like, like how are you only going to be at around your career average playing with a guy who's having an all-time great season and advantage at him, right? Like, it's just, I just think he's overrated. I don't think he's that. Yeah. He's not- and, you know what, people
2: are just, people are comparing him to, you know, I think he's more of a Tom Wilson type player, but not even as close to as good. Um uh, he p- kind of plays that way where he has a bit of offensive flair, but he's physical. But uh, you know what? Th- um, I look at someone like Zach Hyman, who's got that uh, that that tenacity, that that bit of grit. But you know he's not that skilled. But you know he he is able to work hard really and just get the puck to better players, and and that works for him. That's why he's a first line forward. He can play with players that are that good but you know what Kreider just he just feeds off of them and th- instead of feeding them which is really not what he should be doing so that just adds to it
1: Rangers fans are gonna hate us now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: he's like a cult
1: hero over there man all
0: right so let's go to Philly now um for underrated, um, for Philly, I had a tough choice choosing underrated and overrated, kind of like uh, I had to with New Jersey. Um, but for underrated, um, just looking at his stats and his advanced analytics, I'm going to go with Scott Lawton. Uh, this is a guy who played half the season, well, just over half the season last year, 49 games, had 27 points, including 13 goals. Um, he actually took, I believe, uh he won 53% of his draws he took over around he took around 280 draws um he was on that third line a lot of time rotating um center positions with i believe Morgan Frost um you know a plus 13 on a on a decent uh Philly team uh his defense zone uh draw numbers 56% um and uh, uh once again this is another guy that is still um Kinda young, uh twenty-six, so he's just about to hit the prime of his career. And um, this is what Philly needs. Um, he was the one that really stepped up during the Islanders series when he went to seven games when Giroud was silent because of Adam Pelic, like we mentioned before. Um, and he's getting better every year. The year before that, thirty two points, got twenty. Uh and the year before that, got twenty one. So he's improving every year, which is nice to see. And um, I mean, he looks like a 20 goal scorer that can play on the power play, play on the PK for the third line, and that's what honestly every team should have. That third line guy that can do everything. He's a Swiss Army knife. He can play center. He can play wing. uh, Strong two way game. Physical. Fights. um, Can score goals. Can play make everything. So uh, my pick for Scott is Scott Lawton, and um, his contract is actually pretty team friendly too. And for Philly, uh, that's huge. So. That is my pick.
2: No, I'm gonna go with this player. Um, you know what? So he's first of all, he's a defenseman. His name is Philippe Myers. Um, uh, he 16 points in 50 games. First of all, you know what? That is solid. Um, he's only 20. Uh, he's only 23, which means he's got a lot of room to get better. Um, I think for the Flyers, it's really big for, uh, for them because first of all, he's gonna be. Uh, He's going to be part of their top four. I think he's already part of their top four. Uh, he's got really good p- uh, possession stats. No, it, not really good, actually. 51.4. So, like, decent p- possession stats. And he's pretty solid when starting to be offense's zone too. And I feel like for them, who do they have on defense, right? Um. They got their Ivan Provorov. They got their... um. Sorry. They got their Matt Niskanen. Travis or, Sanheim. Yeah, Travis Sanheim. Uh, Travis Sanheim. Uh, <laughs> Gosh, it's fair. So, you know oh, what? I'm not a big fan of. Oh, and that too. So, you know what? It They they got some wild cards, I guess I'll call them, on that defense. But I think Myers is like, he's a steady player. He's going to put up the same amount of points that he usually does. And um, he's going to play the same way that he usually does. And I feel like they need that bit of stability on their blue line. And Myers, he's going to be able to provide that, I think.
1: Yeah, isn't he a righty too? Yeah, he's righty. Yeah, he's a righty.
2: righty. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, before I say my guy, I just want you guys to tell me who do you think is the best forward on the Flyers? Connect me. Yep. Oh no. I would. I would disagree. Oh. I think, and that's this is who this is who my player is. I think it's Sean Couturier. Ooh. Oh. Okay. The guy just won the Selkie. And no one knows about him. The guy just won the Frank Selkie award for the best offensive forward in the game. And when you think of the Philadelphia offense, right, of their best forwards, you think of Konechny, you think of Giroux. You might even think about guys like um, JVR or JVR before you get to Couturier, right? But, I mean, I think you guys will be shocked when I read you his stats from the last three seasons. The two seasons before the lockout-shortened season, he had 76 points both years, right? He was a 30-goal scorer both years, 40-plus assists both years, right? You look at his um, his season this year. The guy had 59 points in 69 games, right? Like, as a guy who and, – and then you look at his, his possession numbers. The guy starting – he starts, obviously, because he's one of their top six forwards. He starts 52% of the time in the offensive zone his Corsi is almost 57% his Corsi for in in less than 20 minutes a game right he's and he's one of the few forwards that i can find that have more takeaways than giveaways the guy has 40 takeaways this season to 36 giveaways right and that's not just something that he just discovered this year last year he was about even he only had one more giveaway than takeaway the year before that, he had 48 takeaways to so 37 giveaways, right? And he's not, and this past the past few seasons, his shooting percentages haven't been astronomical, right? It's been 12%, 15%, which is high, 13%, 12%, 9%, right? His shooting percentages haven't been through the roof, right? And you look at that Flyers top six, and he's what, the fourth or fifth guy you might think about? When in reality, I think he's the most valuable player on, in that top six. He's an elite two-way forward who puts up 70 points a season, 30 goals a season, has great possession numbers, will take the responsibility of playing against the other team's top line, and he's a plus 21. He's he's a plus 21, which isn't the greatest stat, but he's a plus 21 playing against other team's top lines as the shutdown set. I just think he's an amazing player. And one more thing
0: to add on to that is that he gets paid – 4.3 Four point three million for the next two years. Oh my god! Oh, geez. Which is a steal of a contract. So that that's amazing for Philadelphia to get a team friendly contract on the books like that.
2: <laughs> did. yeah. See, I can just open my eyes. Holy crap!
1: Yeah. Uh, Cotarier, man, he's such a beast.
2: Oh, okay. So I, I'm first. Okay, let's get the overrated done quickly because I'm gonna enjoy ripping on Pittsburgh.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, for overrated, it was between two players, Kevin Hayes, but uh, I kind of foreshadowed my pick here. And uh, this is Sean, uh, not Sean, Shane uh, Um The guy had a great rookie year. I'm pretty sure he had like he broke an NHL record for a point streak for a rookie defenseman. Um, the year after that, took a bit of a step back. It was a minus 21 that year, 39 points compared to the 46. A uh, year after that, he got 65, and I think that made everyone look, look at him like, oh my god, an elite offensive defenseman for Philly that can maybe crack 71 year. but then you look at his next two years, 37 points, 78 games, and minus 20 in this past year, 12 points in like 42 games, which is average numbers for a defenseman, you know, that's like third pairing, uh, low-end, second-pairing tier numbers. Um, you know, surprisingly, his 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 advanced analytics weren't bad, uh, 52% for both Fenwick and Corsi, but um, just for how much he's fallen off and how much he was highly touted a couple years ago, it's a shame to see him, you know, uh, to see his role in the, you know, his production diminish and you know, there's been trade rumors over the past couple of years about where could he go, how much could he get. And I do believe that he still has game left. They still think he can get to, you know, his 40 point 50 point self. Not I don't think he can reach his 65 points again, but you know, he's you know, he's still young enough to you know cu- to make a good comeback in his career. Um I just don't think it's in Philly because of the amount of defensive prospects he have with Myers of course, Sanheim, Provorov, uh, even Robert Hag doesn't get talked a lot, you know. Um, I think it's time for Gossespierre to get a fresh start, and that might be what he needs to rejuvenate his career. So um, here's hoping that he can do that.
1: They're already advocating for the Oilers to sign him when he hits free agency. Oh, God, no F that, No. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: uh, you go, you go, Coral. You go, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. So you know, I'm gonna. I gotta agree with Shay uh, Shane Goss is. You know what? He had such a good season, and you know what? It, it, everyone thought that 4.5 million for this guy was a steal. You know what? At, at in the beginning, I was inclined to agree, but it's dropped off a lot. Oh, uh,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. I I just. Yeah, like Chase said, his uh, his advanced analytics still show that he's a solid defenseman. But you know what? Uh, a lot of bottom pairing defensemen have a, have really good uh, advanced analytics, and that's what makes them good for the bottom pairing. But if you're not producing as a top pairing defenseman in like just your uh, your goals and your assists, then what are you even up there for? Why are you getting paid four point five million dollars? You know what? He's got to step it step it up. Step it up. If he can step it up this year, that $4.5 million deal is still amazing. He's got three years left on it, but he, he's got to s- switch something up because, he, um, first of all, his spot's going to get taken if, he's, if he ends up staying in Philly. Uh, and second of all, his value's going to start dropping. And at his next contract, if he even is playing in the NHL when he makes it there, um, his value's going to have dropped off a lot. And he's not going to be able to get paid while he – got paid after his his amazing seasons in the past
1: yeah I mean this guy was a was a former top 10 Norris vote like just yeah. two seasons ago right yeah. he was a he was in the all-star voting right he was a great player you no know, 60 something points like um but I mean playing on the second <laughs> pair and Philadelphia is trying so hard to put this guy in a position to succeed he so 57% of his shifts in the offensive zone to start. They're putting him, when they have an offensive zone faceoff, they're putting him in there. They're trying to get him going after he had a down season last year. And all he has managed to do is score a whopping 12 points in 42 games, playing almost 20 minutes a game, and being one of their go-to guys on both the power play and on five-on-five in the offensive end. I mean... I don't know who else it could have been here for Philadelphia besides Gosh's Bear. I think he's got all the talent in the world. I just I don't know what's happened. I don't know what he what's going on, man. Twelve points. That was on pace for twenty four points. Yeah, for the entire season. Yeah, it is it's a shame. shame. Yeah. All right, Pittsburgh. Oh, uh, finally, finally. Um,
0: <laughs> underrated. We got the goat, Cody Csonka. Okay, no, Not <laughs> oh,
1: so no, no, guy. Mike Matheson, man. God, Matheson. Exactly. <laughs> Look at those great contracts. It's Teddy Bluger. Elite elite decor. Elite decor. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: Um, But seriously, um, for Pittsburgh, I actually, it was between three players. Um, It was so, honestly, it was so close between these three guys. I would say the other, I would just say the two who I was deciding between, two of them were Teddy Bluger and uh, the Oiler draft pick, John Marino. But, my pick for most underrated is Brian Rust. Um, you know, the Penguins were depleted like hell this year. Uh, Malkin was out for some time. Crosby was out for half the season. Gensel got injured in, like, December. And uh, this guy really stepped up. And I don't think a lot of people know this. But this is Brian Rust. Um, 56 points in 55 games with, once again, the top two centers out for, uh, during the year. Like, who's Pittsburgh's number one center that time? Jared McCann? Like, are you going to put, like, Jared McCann's on a number one center. And the fact that Russ kept on producing when these guys were out and leading the Pittsburgh offense with 27 goals is just astonishing. And, I, and gets paid three and a half, a steal of a contract. Corsi, 51. Uh, Fenwick, 52. Pretty good numbers. 59% in the offensive zone. Um... I mean the the guy just went off and if he did play a full year, um if he if the season did continue eighty two games and he stayed healthy, he could've he could have hit seventy points. And this once again, this is without uh two well this is this is without Cindy Crosby and another very good player, Nevgeny Malkin. So uh Russ is my pick and he should be talked about way more.
2: Yeah, you know what, I gotta agree with you on this one. I was no, I haven't seen Captain, but I feel like he could be a dark horse for them. But uh, so far, it's definitely been Rust. Um, he stepped up when they had no one left. Uh, he's usually playing with Malkin, and like you said, Shay, if this season went on and he was playing with Malkin for the rest of the season, he could have been a seventy, eighty-point player, even maybe. So uh, when he came up during that um, that playoff run where the Penguins were completely injured, they had. Jake Gensel, they had Brian Russ, they had a couple other players coming up, and you know what, I always had thought that Brian Russ was the best of them. I still think he's the best of them, actually, because we're going to get to that, probably. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, so yeah, he stepped up when they needed him most, and he's on a steal of a deal, like he said, so there's not much to say about him, except that he's amazing, and he needs to get talked about more. He's one of their top players.
1: It went with my gut with Brian Russ. Now I'm going to be the odd man out again. <laughs> oh, oh my Leafs homerism got the best out of me oh I uh I went with Cappy. it's very happening
2: um, yep cheeks clapping
1: just I just think that he's such a good player that's been underappreciated because where he just didn't fit in there
2: am I saying that again
1: yeah yeah, um, I I just think Captain is such a great player, and that he's just been overshadowed because he was playing in Toronto as a third liner, where even when he had opportunities to play in the top six, his play style just didn't match the other guys he was playing. I think he has elite speed. I think he's a great player. I think his shot is underrated, and I think that you know in in an offense where he has got guys like uh, Crosby, who aren't necessarily the fastest guys, right, anymore, given their age with Crosby and Malkin, he can add some of that breakaway speed, you know, really help, you know, stretch out the ice for other teams when they're playing. Um, and, I mean, the guys, is – if the, he played a full season this year, he would have been back-to-back 40 point Yeah. On you know, the third line, right? And Toronto's third line, like, he played, like, 13, 14 minutes a game. I mean, I, I just feel like in a top six role, he's a guy that can get you 30 goals a season, and 50 to 60 points. I just think he's that talented. Um, I think if he got the opportunity to play top six minutes with a system that he fits in, I think he'd be amazing.
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah, I got to agree with you on Cappy. You know, I had it between Rust and Cappy, but I just hadn't seen Cappy play. Um, and, uh, like Siakam said, he's got, he's, he's so fast. He's got, he's money in the bank for at least a breakaway a game. And he's an elite penalty killer. He can really space out the ice on the penalty kill because people have got to be scared that this guy's going to be able to get behind them and get in on, on goal on the penalty kill. And I feel as if that, you know, Crosby has elevated every single player that he's played with. Um, unlike a lot of, you know what, maybe any other player ever in the NHL. That's his specialty. He's turned third liners into stars, bona fide stars. And I think he could do the same thing with Kapanen. And Kapanen's going to be able to get him the puck because of his tenacity, his speed. So I'm going to agree right. with Siakam on that one. But like, I just haven't seen him do it yet. So that's the I one mean,
1: Rust was a great pick.
2: Yeah. his two picks. Right there.
1: Uh-huh. All right, here we go. Overrated. Uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm chomping at the bit, bro. Can I make
2: a list? Can I make a list?
1: <laughs> <laughs> bro.
0: I, I'm just going to say this right now. Someone in Tundra is going to kill me for this. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. Same. Oh, yeah. Same. Oh, oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, my pick's Jake Gensel. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I mean,. I want to see what this guy can do without Malkin or Crosby. Every single year, every time he plays on a line, he's always with Malkin or Crosby. And Crosby has been a top, well, besides coming to this year, has been a top three player in the league um, consistently. And um, with Crosby's high IQ, his playmaking, his defensive play, once it, like Coral said, he can carry average players into studs. And I just... I just don't know. There's something about Gensel that just makes me scratch my head. Most of his zones are, most of his starts are in the offensive zone, which means he barely gets to play in his um defensive zone. So you know I can't really judge him off his defensive stats. Um, I mean his cores, he's high, his fenwick's high, but I mean that's also just because the Penguins are a powerhouse team. I want to see what he can do by himself. Um. His shooting percentage uh, consistently, first year, 19%, 20%. Second year, 13%. Uh, third year, 18%. And this year, 16%. There's no way. Like, like, to all the great players that play in this league, no one consistently has a 16% shooting percentage. That's unheard of. And he doesn't slow down because he plays with elite players. Like, you know, a good example I look at, um, I like to compare to. Is, um, is, uh, what's his face? Um, Ty Ratty. Um, when he was in Edmonton, right? Uh, he he got, he was, he got put with Conor McDavid right there and then, and he had like 12 points in 14 games. As soon as they took him off, Ratty started to struggle, and already his defensive numbers weren't the best. And this reminds me of Gensel. Both, um, both are young, both, you know, were in the AHL before their quote-unquote breakout years, and both of them immediately get put with the best players in the NHL. And you know, I just, I just want to see more from Gensel. If Gensel can play on his own line and consistently put up fifty to sixty points by himself, I'll take back what I said. But for right now, I just, I'm not a huge fan of Jake Gensel at all.
2: I've got to agree with you, Shea. Um. It's just, it it really isn't enough, right? He's playing with two top players in the league, two top 15 players. Yeah, two top 15 players in the league. These guys are amazing in Malkin and Crosby. And he's just, uh, you know, he hit 20 goals this year in 39 games, but how much of that was Crosby and Malkin? How much of his 40-goal season was Crosby and Malkin? Um, You know If you take them away, how much, like even Ira, uh, the depressed pens fan in the tundra cabin has said that he's a thirty goal without the two without one of those two. <laughs> I think that is way too much. I say <laughs> yeah, that's thirty. Yeah, I say that's twenty at most. Um, yeah, he's a good player. I still think Russ is better. Like you look at these stats, offensive zone starts at sixty two percent. There's no way you do that by yourself as a winger, like you need your center to be able to get the puck and that's what Crosby does. He is, in my opinion, just an absolute beast. And he was the best, best player in the world until like last year. And um, I just, it, it really just elevated Gensel's stats so much. And I don't think it's like, I think half of what he's done is up to him. The other half is to Crosby and Ira can get as mad as mad about this as he wants, but you know what? You got, if you got sit on your team and players are playing this good when they really aren't that good, it's gonna come.
0: And that's the reason why I put Russ as the most underrated because you know Malkin and Crosby were both out for a significant amount of time. So, like I said, Russ was over a point per game, yep. and he sh- and he basically proved to me and a lot of people that he can carry the load when he has to. So that's what Gensel needs to do to make me impressed with him.
1: Like, I feel like Gensel's rise in the NHL speaks more about the wingers that Pittsburgh had at the time more than what it says about Gensel, okay? Yeah. If you look at his career offensive zone start, percentage. career is at 60%. It's crazy. His, his entire wow. – So that means that he came into the NHL – and the coach looked at his lines and went, we don't have a single winger to play with Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin. So we're going to put you on the first line. And when we have an offensive zone face-off, I am putting you on the ice because Crosby's on the ice. Right? I mean, like as Shea mentioned, holy, 20, nearly a 20% shooting percentage his rookie season? A career average of 16%? It doesn't matter. Ovechkin doesn't shoot that percentage. I I mean, uh, speaking of Ovechkin, a specific Penguins fan Tundra thinks Gensel is better than him. I mean, like, (laughs) like, like, like like people, like Penguins fans think Gensel is the next Ovechkin because the rest of their wingers are so awful. They have no one else to cling on to but Gensel. Like, like, like that's literally the case. Like who is the last great winger? in his prime, that the Penguins had that played with Crosby.
2: Patrick Hornquist, Chris Kunitz. Chris Kunitz?
1: Chris Kunitz? Patrick Hornquist? I mean, <laughs> like, 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 the Penguins have never had an elite winger to play with Crosby and Malkin. And well, all of a they get this young kid who's like 24 years old, who had a 40-goal season, and all of them are just like, oh, he's the next Ovi. Because they need someone to take over for, for Crosby and Malkin when they retire. They need that hope. Right, they don't have anyone else. Right, like you look at their offensive prospects. They had Hallander, then they traded him away. They only have Pueland. He's their future. He's their entire future on offense. They and
0: they're probably trading away in a first round. Right. And they're probably trading away in a first round pick, like for Tomas Tatar at the deadline, or <laughs> something. Like
1: exactly. Like they need Gensel to be the next Ovechkin, and that's why they, they they're putting him on that pedestal because they know they don't have anyone else after him. And so he's overrated. He, he's, he's, until he proves to us that he can put up the numbers he's putting up right now without Crosby or Malkin, without an elite top 15 generational, like top 15 in their, like their generation player, until he can prove that he can put up those stats without them,
0: he's
1: not, he's not better than Ovi. And, and ton, that, that specific person in Tundra can get as mad at me as he wants. He knows it's true. Don't, don't don't at me bro. You know it's true. Uh, just one thing on the winger part. Um
0: I can make an argument that they haven't had a great winger since uh since James Neal who put up 80 points with those two guys. He was later traded for a Hornquist of course. But um yeah, like you like we all said until Gensel can actually prove that he can put up the points he can, as he did by himself. I'm sorry. I I'm just not a huge fan.
2: And you know what? This, this will, I'm just going to share this story. I was in the Instagram comments, which never goes well, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's this absolute tard comparing this. First, uh, you know, we've already got fans comparing him to Ovechkin. Then we got this fan compared it to Marner, first of all. You know, I see Sh- Shaden Shregil over here. He compares him to and You know, it's all in good fun, but at least it kind of makes sense. What the hell,
1: man? <laughs> Gensel's not even a playmaker, bro. Oh he my. just shoots the puck. God, <laughs> man, it's he like... lets Crosby get him the puck and he shoots it into an open net. That's exactly.
0: Would it be considered? Would it be considered a hot take that I wouldn't even have Gensel my top fifty wingers solely because he's putting up this production of Sydney Crosby?
2: I would not blame
1: you. I, I would don't... blame you. I mean, I probably would still put him in the, in the top fifty just because, like, the, like he put up the numbers. You know, there's right. some players who you put on that line who wouldn't put up those numbers. Right? So, he's definitely got talent. It's just that, better than Ovechkin? Are you out of your mind? Oh, no, no, no. All
0: right. So, let's go to the final team, the Capitals. Oh. I think we spent the most time talking about Pittsburgh.
2: Well, How long was that, by the way? Let me see when I started it was
0: like this. like 20 minutes, honestly.
2: I, you know what? Yep, yeah, it was... We got 12 minutes on ripping on pittsburgh you know what and i love it
1: (laughs) all
0: so um, my underrated player for washington without a doubt jacob rana um this is a kid that in his rookie year this is the year the capitals put to the cup was a major contributor had 27 points in the regular season but in the playoffs um if uh hockey reference control here yeah in the playoffs had uh eight points in 23 games which is actually pretty decent for you know, a rookie that's sheltered in the bottom six, and after that he exploded. Um, next year after that, he got forty-seven in the eighteen ninety season, twenty-four goals, and this year, twenty-five in sixty-nine games, including fifty-two points. And the thing about him is that his shooting percentage is average thirteen percent. So the fact that you're getting twenty-five goals and only shooting thirteen percent, that that's a pretty good sign. His course he is above average at 51, his finish at 52, and both his offensive and defensive start is at 50%, and he's on a steal of a deal right now, only 3.35 this year, then he's an RFA, so he's due for a big pay raise, but, um, you know, for a team like Washington that was always in the playoffs year after year, they don't have a lot of young talent besides him um, in the pipeline, like, no one notable that can, you know, make a strong impact in two, three, four years. So,
1: oh, um... Michael, McMichael might argue with that. Mike, oh, yeah. McMichael's no. the only guy, though. Oh, McMichael's Conor the Mc... only guy. Yeah, I forgot about Connor McMichael. But, um, you know,
0: Brown is the type of player they need because there's a couple of guys they on that team. Like, Ovechkin's 35. Like, um, I think he'll break Risky's record, but realistically, he's probably done in, what, five, six years? Not a lot of time left for... Oh, Not right. a lot. Of... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. 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 Go oh, ahead. Right. You know uh, they need uh, these young, strong, goal-scoring wingers that can come up through the pipeline and play with Kuznetsov, who's going to be their future number one center once you know Backstrom retires. So, um, I, I I feel high on Rana. Um, once again, fifty-two point sixty-nine games, pretty good, uh, good shooting average, and uh, yeah, I can see him hitting thirty in one year.
2: Uh, you know what? I'm gonna agree with you on Rana. Uh like he like you said there's not much else that the capitals have this guy's only 24 and he's already putting up some crazy numbers and uh but you know what he does have a bit of weakness on defense but you yeah. know what? what what can you do he will work on it as time goes past but your point to ovechkin i don't even think he lasts that long i think he's gonna drop down to uh his he's gonna play for a while first of all but He's gonna be. He's not gonna be able to score fifty goals, uh, for the maybe another after another three years after he's lost Backstrom that kind of, uh, uh, Carlson's dropped off even more that kind of thing. I don't feel like he's gonna be able to keep that up as great as he is. But, and also there's the fact that beep that there's reports that he wants thirteen million dollars. So, Yikes. yeah. So it, it it's a pretty big pay raise already, and then he's already pretty old. At, 34 years of age I, he doesn't have much left and Vrana is one of the only guys they have coming up to replace him I mean you can't ever replace the grade eight but uh, he's the closest they've got so far and he's done a pretty good job for what he's
1: well, for what he has so gotta give it to him I was I was gonna go with Vrana, um, but the only reason I didn't end up going with him was because I felt that he was in a situation kind of- is the only like notable young winger that they have and so i feel like a lot of capitals fans and a lot of people who don't really watch the capitals will look at him and think that he's a he's one of their like really good young and upcoming guys right um and damn it again you two agree and i'm the one (laughs) guys i promise this isn't something that we set up i just okay all right all right Uh, i don't even know what to say at this point but um my guy is a guy who's been a rear fourth liner um, who last season for the Capitals only played about 11 minutes a game. You're so a fourth liner, third line tweener. Um, and that's Richard Ponick, former Leaf. Oh, wow. And I I feel like when you look at teams, a lot of, you know, a lot of the fourth liners don't get that much. VR, right. Because, um, you know, fans love people who put the puck in the net and fourth liners usually don't put the puck in the net but when you look at richard Ponick's stats oh, yeah. this year he had 22 points in 59 games right he was on pace to have like 30 40 points last year with arizona he had 30 points the year before that on the fourth line he had 30 points right with chicago he had 44 points right that's not a fourth line player. That's a guy who can legitimately play in your middle six, right? And on top of that, not only does he have great, um, like, stats for a fourth liner last season, he was, his course, he was amazing. He had a 50, almost a 55% course as a, as a fourth liner, playing about 50% of his time in the offensive zone, right? So he's got great possession numbers, he puts up way more points than most fourth liners could ever dream of putting up. And on top of that, he's another one of those rare players that you find in today's NHL that tends to have more takeaways than giveaways. This season, it wasn't as great. He had 21 takeaways, he had 29 giveaways. But the season before, 46 takeaways to 39 giveaways. The season before that, 26 to 14. The year before that, 30 to 23. The guy who takes the puck away, who's a solid fourth liner, who's not making a whole lot of money, and can pitch in at his best a 40 point season, but is almost consistently a 30 to 35 point score, playing only 10 minutes a game. Yeah. I think he's very underrated. I think he's a great player. No, that is a,
2: that is honestly a good pick. I should have, yeah, looked at that honestly. All right. Um, now, time for overrated.
0: Um, I know one Capital fan in, the... Uh, that's gonna kill me. And if you're watching the squeeze, I'm sorry, but I gotta do this. Squeeze on. Um, for me, this is Tom Wilson. Um, I'm gonna use the exact same reasons I use for, for Chris Kreider. He's a power forward. Um, you don't, you shouldn't give power forwards uh, five mil at six years. Um, and I mean, I mean, yeah, sure, if 20 goals, 44 assists, but. I mean, he's playing the top six with Backstrom. He's on a power play with the greatest goal scorer of all time and one of the best playmakers in the game still. And uh, Nicholas Backstrom. And you know, I'm looking at his Corsi. And you know, for so Salty with the Capitals, it isn't the best. It's just average at 50-50. Um, I mean, this is a guy that only a couple years ago only had 19 points. Um, I mean, even last year. Had, uh, had a 17% shooting percentage. Shish is at 14, when his average is at 10. So, you know, he, he's really um, up there. Uh, he's giving away the puck and Warden. He is taking away 40 to 25, which isn't ideal at all. And, um, yeah, this is, this is like Chris Kreider 2.0, except that he's a budget version of Chris Kreider for me. So, yeah, I have Wilson as... My overrated
2: player. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna agree with that. And you were talking about Chris Kreider. I think Chris Kreider is like a bit worse than Wilson. I think uh, he's got a worse contract, so he got a bit better off there. But still, Wilson's not that great. Um, he, like as a power forward, you expect him to be at least decent defensively, and he's not. Um, defensive zone starts 48.6 on, on the Capitals. Like, come on, man, right? And then expected goals against. He's got a, he's got an expected goals against a forty two point four. His his league total is career total. Sorry, is two hundred twenty four point nine. I find that crazy considering how good of a team he's on. Like last season, he had a forty five point two, and his goals for expected was thirty seven. Like it's just it's just crazy to me how this guy he he's playing with such good teams. Uh, sorry, such good players like Backstrom, Kuznetsov, uh, Carlson when he was at. Uh, as good as he was um, Ovi uh, and he's he's putting up offensive numbers but he just can't play defense at all and I think he's just being pulled up by these guys and that contract just does not look great at all for another four years he's 26 so he's going to be up till 30 um, they obviously want to sign Ovechkin who's asking for 13 million so It's a lot to ask for someone who's not really putting up what you needed. Not not gonna not say that, but like, he's not really fitting the role that you would want him to fit. And, uh, no, Guedes, he he is asking me if I'd rather have Hyman or Wilson one night. Hyman, Hyman, Hyman. oh, Hyman. Hyman. That's not even me
1: being a Leafs homer. Hyman all
2: day. Hyman any day. I would not. I would not think twice. 'Cause you know what, he fits his role. Wilson does not at all. And he's on a way worse contract. So it's gotta go to Tom Wilson. I was debating between TJ Soshi man as well, but
1: yeah. Yeah. Coral, uh, well, you should have gone with Oshi, man. Oh. why is this oh. keep <laughs> happening, bro? <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you sure you two didn't talk about this before we started? It's there, the, the, court, bro? it's the brown connection.
0: That. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. All right. I pick this is this is going to be like a bit of a hot take. Um, so it's Oshi. I'm going to say I'm going to say it's because of this. I did pick Oshi. I'll say this. I think that Oshi is elevated because he's playing in Washington. I think that I think that he's con- like Jake Gensel to a slightly lesser extent. Um, yeah. and this is why I think that. If you look at his stats when he was with St. Louis, He was a really solid top six forward, right? I mean, in in, in an 80-game season, he would be on pace for about 50 50 to 55 points on the Blues, right? Yeah. And he spent one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years there, right? So, I mean, that should have been the player that he is, right? And St. Louis was never a bad team when he was there. They were a good team. They had talent on that team. Yeah. so it's not like he was playing with a bunch of scrubs and that's why his, his points weren't that were like what they were but you look at him since he's been to Washington right first season was about average right 51 points in 80 games around what he usually does right but you know that's getting used to playing with those superstars then you look at his next four seasons in 68 games he had 56 points which was his second highest in his career in 68 games he didn't play a full season and he had he had, he nearly t- he nearly tied his career high in points up to that point the season after that only 74 games had 47 points was on pace for 60 points right the, the year after that 69 games 54 points right the year after that 69 games because of the lockout shortened season 49 points right and you look at those numbers and you're looking at a guy who's on pace for almost 60 65 points every Right. And that's like a near 10-point jump from what he was when he was in his theoretical prime, right? When he was in his mid to late 20s, right? Like 20, 26 and up, right? That's what I think is a hockey prime. Um, and he's gotten so much better. You look at his shooting percentages when he was in St. Louis, his career high was 13.9, which was his rookie year. His second year in Washington, 23. His career low shooting percentage in Washington. Is higher than his career shooting percentage in St. Louis. Just think about that. How is that even possible? His career average when he was with St. Louis was basically about 10%. Since he's been in Washington, it's it is hovering like 17-18%. Those are Gensel type numbers. Yeah, that's unheard. That's why, and that's when you have that situation where you have a good winger that's playing with elite talent, a guy like Ovechkin. That teams right. have to account for. Right. Yeah. A puck moving defenseman like Carlson, right? Who who had a breakout season this year. A guy like Backstrom and Kuznetsov, who are just great two-way centers, right? Like Oshie's a good player, but he's not 65, 70 points per season good player. You no. Know? He's, he's the guy who who's who's talented enough to be in a top six, but has seen his a late career reset um, ascendance. Because he's playing with guys like Ovechkin,
0: and um, just another thing that his contract isn't the prettiest. Yeah. <laughs> starts, like, another four or five years out that, like almost six mil. Um, you know, which isn't, which isn't, which is a lot to pay for TJ Oshie. And just another thing, um, I feel like a lot of teams are starting to do this now, where they're signing decent or okay wingers for cheap, and they immediately played up with. You know, elite talent. And that's when they break out, and that's when bad contracts are are gonna be, you know, are gonna get a hand uh gonna be handed out. Um, case in point, like I think Dominic Hoon's gonna break out with Leon title. But what if he gets sixty points yeah. when?
2: You
0: know, that's not really the type of player he is. He's gonna be asking for six, seven million, and that's gonna put a team in the cap crunch. Um, teams should be where uh should be, you know, worried about this because. I mean, you're, you're seeing it happen so much now. There's a lot – every year, there's so – there's, like, a, an unknown player that, bang, breaks out, gets paid, and then he's just average. And yeah. for Oshie, I can definitely see your points on that, Siakam. Uh, and, yeah, it, it's just crazy to think that he's at a 10% shooting percentage in St. Louis, and now he's upwards until 18, which is insane.
2: Yeah, you know, I feel like uh, T.J. Oshie is one of those guys that's like defined by one moment, and that moment for him was that shootout. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Y- another one is Jake Gardner, who's defined in a bad way by his yeah. his uh, game sevens. Um, the same thing with Frederick Anderson. Uh, but, it, it It's like you can't judge a player off that one moment, and teams for some reason decided to do that with Oshie, and Uh, Now he's on this contract and he's regressing. uh, Well, solo, he's regressing, but he's playing with really good players and that's bringing up his numbers. He's going to keep playing and he's going to keep asking for more money if he keeps on going after his 38. Oh, wow. His contract's up when he's 38, by the way. That's just...
1: Yeah. yeah. 38? Uh, Ah, that's not good. And and I mean, and and the the scary thing is he's got, what, another five years left?
2: Yeah, 38
1: when he's up. Hulk. And if, if he's someone who's super durable, that's not even as bad. Like Shea Weber, right? Like, he's got a bad contract, but at least you know he'll play for those years, right? Oshie hasn't played a full season in the NHL since his Never. He's never played a full 82-game season. He's always been injured in some way or form. And especially in the last four years in, uh, in Washington, he hasn't played more than 75 games since. Right? So, he's a guy who's had some injury concerns. As he gets older, that's, that injury concern is just going to get bigger and bigger. And if if Washington gets in a situation, gets injured for like 20, 30 games in a season, they're going to have to do what the Leafs do, right? They're going to have to stick the guy in LTIR. And I just hate to see you know, someone like Oshie's career just you know, end in that fashion because he's too good right. of a player for that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got a
2: – are you still talking, Siakam? No, 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 I'm done, I'm done. All, All right, right. right, yeah. So, you know what? <laughs> We've been going for a hell of a long time. What's it probably? Oh, yeah. This is almost like
0: yeah, two hours long.
2: Yeah, I know, right? We've got three Zoom meetings, so that's 40 minutes each, an hour and a half about of just yeah. talking to you about – content.
1: Yeah.
0: So, about, uh, like, what, 16 players? Or
1: something yeah like yeah. yeah i mean more if you think about it because we had different players for some of them right so it's probably more along the lines of 20, 20, 20. yeah
0: you spent <laughs> a lot of time talking about pittsburgh <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean pittsburgh's just i mean i could talk all day about pittsburgh i don't oh, like yeah. how they handled their goalie situation I don't oh like, yeah that I was terrible. Yari, yeah i think jar i think jar going to be garbage next year and then penguins God? fans are going to yeah. demand for him to get traded for
0: like honestly, like just like I know this is all topic, but I, I'm gonna predict it right now. The Smith is gonna have a great year. Jari's gonna have trash year. They're gonna trade Jari. They're gonna have some new up and coming goalie, and the cycle continues. Cause yeah. honestly, I'm not sold on Jari just yet, cause it was his first whole year. And um, you know, like I know we this is way off talk, but you just look at the Smith's past numbers in the NHL, th- they were solid. And I don't know why they chose. To trade um, Murray, it should have
2: been Jari. Yeah, to uh, be honest, like, Murray's proven himself. You can say what he want about his glove hand or whatever, but yeah. he's proven himself. He's won two Stanley Cups with the team. He came in when uh, Fleury was injured, when... Was it Jeff Zatkoff? <laughs> was. Oh, yeah,
0: Jeff Zatkoff,
2: baby. Yeah, he was the backup. So, uh, he, he's, he proved himself one bad year, and Penn's fans are all over him. So...
1: And and Penguins fans, this isn't us hating on you, or maybe it kind of is, but like (laughs) it kind of. Murray deserved better, man. He won two cups with you guys, and he had one bad season, and you guys were ready to chuck chuck him out the window. Yeah.
2: Oh wow, we got another ten minutes left on on this meeting now. Oh
1: Oh, man, we've been talking for a while, huh? Yeah. So (laughs)
2: what's the next one going to be? We got the Atlantic, and then we got Mister Emerson on.
1: Yeah, and I think
0: you have Johnston coming on soon, so it's gonna be a busy week. In a Chris
1: Johnston, right? Yeah. yeah, Chris Johnston. That that's gonna be a fun interview. Oh
0: my yeah,
1: god! I still can't and, believe we got him. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> sorry, so yeah, I can go. Yeah, uh, I was just about to say, like, you guys won't want to miss that one when that video comes oh, out. Yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be so fun. Oh, got a lot of questions lined up. It's gonna be a great.
2: You know, and you know what, it's not just about, oh yeah, go ahead, Shay, sorry.
1: Sorry, and just
0: before we end this, um, era, if you're still watching this, I'm sorry that we keep trashing your team. Um, I mean, when there's an opportunity to jump in, we just got us, so I'm sorry yeah. about that.
2: Yeah, and you know what, about Chris Johnson, you know what, it's not just about uh, the hockey that he's going to come on to talk, because you know what, well, for a lot of us, if it's not being an NHL player, it's being an insider. Yeah, that's, that's a dream job. Yeah. So he's going to come on and talk about that. And I'm really excited for that part, even more than the hockey
1: part. So, Same. Yeah. It, it's so. going to be great. It's going to be great. Oh, We've got, got, got a, lot of, yeah, go ahead. a lot of great content lined up for you guys. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this one. It um, oh. took us a lot of time to make. But. Yeah, we got yeah, a huge
2: start. lined up after Chris Johnston, by the way.
0: Oh, yeah. We're not going to spoil that one yet, but uh, it's going to be
2: a <laughs> treat. <So>, uh, <laughs> a
1: real treat.
0: So uh, yeah, thanks for watching, guys, and we'll see you next time.